coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, the bad guys win the Splatfest. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as I am always joined, by Mark Mitchell, my co-host. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including some more details on how Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 came to be. And then on Thursday, we are going to be ranking the Mario characters into tiers with Jen Kleinrock. Uh, but in the meantime, Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Patrick. Happy yeah. to be here. Mm-hmm. Feeling good. Yeah, we're feeling a little loose. We're recording the episodes out of order right uh-huh. now. Uh, so, you know, we got that little like, ooh, it's it's late in the night pressure. Like, and we're just getting started on the news episode. <laughs> Does it feel weird? I feel, feel weird. a little like crisscross. Yeah, Like that's our right. clothes are backwards or something. Right, or like I'm murdering uh, your mother on the train and you're murdering my wife? Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think, I don't, I'm not actually sure how either of those movies work. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. Crisscross, I was not talking about a movie. Chris I was talking about the band. Oh, you were where, talking about... Like, the singers mm. who wore their clothes backwards. I was talking about both... Strangers on a Train. And Throw Mama from the Train. It's <laughs> <laughs> talking about both of these both these movies. Wait, is Throw Mama from the Train like a comedic retelling of Str- Strangers on a Train? Or yeah. no? I mean, but he's inspired by Strangers on a Train. Oh, I haven't seen that movie for a it's very long time. Danny DeVito sees Strangers on a Train and is like, gets in, he's like, crisscross, he keeps saying it. <laughs> So when you said crisscross to me, I did not think we'll make you jump, jump. I thought, let's throw Mama from the train. Um, we have got a lot of good stuff to to get to today. Um, but first, a little a little bit of uh, an announcement or some like housekeeping here. Uh, we are heading into the holiday season here, Christmas, which means that our schedule remains totally the same. We will continue to put out two we episodes. We are freaks. That's right. Super freaks. <laughs> Super freak. Uh, that one I'll jump right on top of. <laughs> Crisscross, though. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, you need, you need not worry. Uh, we will be here with only a, s- a slight modification to what we normally do. Next week, we, uh, the week of Christmas, we are watching the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993, starring Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, Dennis Hopper, and Samantha Mathis. <laughs> Uh, so if you have any way to watch this movie, uh, you should, we do an episode, a a pre-movie episode on Tuesday and then a post-movie episode on Thursday. But we found that this movie's a little bit hard to come by. You cannot rent it on iTunes. You cannot rent it on Amazon. Um, Mark thinks maybe you can find it at a Walmart bargain bin. Um, but look. If you would just like my copy of it, I bought it on DVD so that we could record an episode about it. If you would like my DVD, just write into us. The first person who writes in and says, hey, give me that DVD. Here's my address. Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. I will send it to you. And here's a fun thing. Mm -hmm. We all signed it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The two of us and our secret mystery guest, who we'll announce next week, all signed it. um, And then you can just own this thing forever. Plus, you can play along and actually watch this terrible movie. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure how you do it. You have to spend the $4 to order it on Amazon. 
Do you know what you'd have to spend even more than $4 to order on Amazon What's in order this? to get? What's this? Sonic Forces. Can you believe this game is still like 40 bucks? I cannot believe that Sonic Forces is still 40 bucks. If you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can write in also to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. with your address, and I send it to you, and you send it back to me. It is currently out in the wild. I don't know where Sonic Forces is or if it's ever coming back. And here's a cool thing is that when Patrick sends it to you, he includes return postage. Right. This is one that I actually would like to get back. I'm not sure why at this point. <laughs> Which do I prefer, the Super Mario Brothers movie or Sonic Forces? That'll be a topic for a different episode, I think. Here is one more thing you can do with that email address, which, again, is Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, we are going to be attempting the impossible. We are going to rank franchise contributions to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Mark, I continue to play this game a lot. Are you continuing to play this game a lot? Uh-huh. There's a lot of content in here, and we want to determine who is giving the most, best, good, meaningful stuff to this game. Is it the Mario series? Do they contribute the most just because they're the foundation of Nintendo? What about Fire Emblem? You yeah. can't spit a dead rat without hitting a Fire Emblem character in and, Ultimate. And I'm always spitting dead rats. And, and look, you can, there can even be some Dark Horse candidates in here. Because for as little as Metal Gear is represented in the characters, um, a lot of the most interesting spirits in the game are Metal Gear spirits of the boss from Metal Gear is, like, the be-all, end-all spirit who is awesome. So, like, you know, it's uh, it's subjective. Make your case. Kirby. I'm just throwing it out there. Kirby's another great one. Um, write in, make your case, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. All right, Mark, let us get into what we have been playing this week. Mark, can I tell you something that arrived for me this week? Please. My NES Online Nintendo Switch controller... I don't know what to call these things. They're, they're, they're the Switch controllers that look like the NES uh, controllers that just slide onto the side of my Switch. Um, that are Nintendo Switch Online yep. member exclusives. That's right. They arrived um, over the weekend. And then I got an email today saying your uh, controllers have shipped. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening there. So my, I, got, I got an email like two weeks ago or, or something, maybe last week, saying that they were shipped. Uh -huh. And then I, over the next hour, received that email four additional times. Okay, so Nintendo's on top of it, <laughs> is what you're saying. Uh, so if you, if you got your email about this, uh, great. Uh, if you got your controllers, also great. And if you got them in not that order... Uh, also fine. Crisscross. Crisscross. <laughs> Crisscross. Um, it's, uh, it's driven me back to the NES uh, online, um, which uh, with the recent additions this last week of the Adventures of Lolo, um, Wario's Woods, and Ninja Gaiden, uh, I said last week has a, a, a very a, an actively good library at this point. Um, so I spent a lot of time playing the Adventures of Lolo, which is uh, simultaneously harder and more fun than I remember it being. Um, but just a, a really great game, and especially with the the, the save states, because so much of that, like the puzzle solving in that game, is failing and then like trying again. Oh yeah, I I don't think I ever played the Adventures of Lolo, but after you talked about it last episode, I tried it out this week, and 
I was totally setting a save state as soon as I made it to the next level. Right. So I could try it over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's the way to do it. Because, like, there are... And I had forgotten a lot of, uh, like, just where, like, the danger comes from in this game. And it's, you know, there are these, like, little heart things all over the screen. And you have to collect them all and then uh, open the treasure chest and move on uh, to the next level. And the danger becomes, like, tenfold as soon as you collect that last heart. So, like, you have to spend a lot of time just sort of setting things up just so so you won't get blown away uh, when you collect that last And also, piece. the early levels, there's a lot of just, like, what does this enemy do? Yeah. So I'm just going to, like, walk up and, oh, they, like, spit something at me and I die. Right. Or, oh, this one just, like, st- sticks me in a corner and I can't move. Um, so, yeah, there's the, uh, the save states on there. And even, actually, even without them... Um, the game is pretty generous with uh, where it respawns you. Um, it can be a little bit tougher in, in later levels when you're in like the third or fourth like level of the kind of chapter, Castle? whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, floor maybe, uh, and you lose all your lives and have to go all the way back to the beginning. But you got save states now, um, so that's uh, much better. There's also the Doctor Mario SP. Did you mess around with this at all? I I briefly because that's it, really all you can do. It puts you. Um, at level, level 20. 20 on hard, basically so you can finish it and see the little uh, UFO cutscene yeah. that there is. That, that's, and that's even what like the description says is like, you, it's, this is right here so you can see a thing that no one else ever sees. Um, which I think you and I did a whole episode about what SP uh, like versions of these games could be. And I think we missed the boat on what they actually are. Because um, I think we wanted them to be something more um, like addressing fundamental like problems. deficiencies where yeah. it's like, oh, here's a way t- to get into this retro game that you may not necessarily play because it's otherwise too impenetrable. Yeah. And this is really more like it's just setting up a scenario where you can do one specific part of the game, which is kind of kind of cool, but also not like. It's not substantial, right? I mean, I probably would have, ne- I never would have seen this cutscene in Dr. Mario otherwise. And like, there's also a Metroid SP this week. Right. And it puts you at the end so you can fight Mother Brain. So it's not actually at the end to fight Mother Brain. It's right in front of Ridley's door. So you go oh. in and you fight Ridley and oh. you're, you're maxed out with like uh, energy tanks and missiles and stuff. Oh, gotcha. Um, so. And I mean, like, if you wanted to go right to Mother Brain, you could do the Justin Bailey code um, and basically have have that experience. But it seems like both of these, both the Dr. Mario and the Metroid one, are set up just to give you one specific sliver of the game, which is fine. It's just so limiting. It's it's like um, NES Remix, which was like hundreds of these vertical slices of classic NES games that let you experience... Uh, you know, like all of the best parts of Kid Icarus or just all the best parts of Excite Bike um, and then like string them together in a challenge that made sense and was compelling and you earn stickers. Um, and this seems like a just lot, a lot less engaging version of that. If all of this was wrapped together and like all of the games in the NES remix were all like in one awesome package, it would be killer. Um, so that you could either play through like parts of games or like, oh, forget it. I actually had fun with that. I'm going to play all of Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, like that would be a killer app, I think. I've also just playing, I played like a a little bit of a bunch of different games. Yeah. Like I've been playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which had an update. One of the 
uh, notes in the update was they made they reduced the difficulty of challengers. Okay, and I am definitely feeling that because <laughs> it is much easier to uh, defeat a challenger and like have them out of the roster. But that really is like I checked out the spirit board after you explained to me what it was. Yes, and I'm enjoying that a lot now. Yeah, great. Um, the spirit board or the world of light spirit board specifically. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh it's it's cool. I ran into um the boss on the the spirit board and she destroyed me. <laughs> um it's it's a uh it's a stamina match against Zero Suit Samus and the floor is like poison or something and I don't know, she's just like so much stronger than you <laughs> that like every time she hits you it knocks like 30 health off and every time you hit her it's like 0.4. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that spirit board too. And then played some like Super Mario Odyssey, mm -hmm. um, jumped into Stardew Valley for a little bit. One thing that I haven't played, but is on my Switch Still? as of this recording. Katamari Damacy? <laughs> no, I did play the reroll demo, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's uh, super, super short, um, but fun. I think I want to pick up the full game. No, we, uh, Firewatch came out on Switch. Oh yeah. Um, yesterday as of this release. And I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I did pick it up partly because we got an email from listener Katie uh -huh. who wrote in to us this past week saying, hello, you two. I urge you to pick up Firewatch and give it a try. That is all. Best, yes. Katie. And Katie, you should know that when someone, uh, look, if there's nothing else that Mark and I love, it's being told what to do. We both responded super positively to this. So I definitely <laughs> picked up Firewatch. Uh, this morning when it became available on the Switch eShop. Also, small shout out to Lizzie, who has never heard of Horse Armor. Yes, thank you, Lizzie, for writing in to let us know that you have never heard of Horse Armor. That helps. I'm, I'm glad to know that. Uh, we asked people to write in and say whether or not they'd heard of Horse Armor. I also picked up Guacamelee 2 um, and have only played it for about an hour. Um, weirdly slow start to this game uh it's uh the the story of juan from guacamole like seven years in the future he's become like older and fat um and it spends maybe 20 minutes like sort of establishing that reality to then like take it away um but guacamole like i don't really need to have things established for me i just need to get into like a nice metroidvania where i'm punching stuff and uh seeing you know, funny things written in the background. Um, so I am sure that I will uh, love this game when I get, you know, into it at full speed. But right now it, it's feeling a little bit like uh, I've got to actually get up to full speed. Um, so I'm sure we will check back in with both Guacamelee and Firewatch uh, after the holiday. Uh, Mark, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing over the next two weeks. Donut County is out today. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, it's like a, a mobile game that is making the leap to Switch. I still don't know really anything about it, except you're a raccoon and maybe you have a motorcycle. You're a raccoon who controls a hole, and the hole swallows thing, the hole, and the hole gets bigger. It's supposed to be a pretty short experience, all things told, but um, you know when time is precious. Mark, let me ask you this. When... Is Killer Queen Black coming out? I think you're right. I think it is not happening this year unless it's like a stealth release the week of Christmas or something like that. See, it feels like a missed opportunity to not have it out by the holidays because I think Killer Queen Black 
is an accessible enough game that people could show it to their families and play it with them. And that's just not going to, if people aren't, you know, I'm imagining everyone has my life where <laughs> you're traveling over Christmas and you are seeing your family for the first time in months uh, and you need something to do because you realize you can't, the only things you can talk about are the weather and uh, what you're going to eat later. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's what I'm imagining. And this seems like a missed opportunity for that. Missed opportunity for sure. But like, I, I guess a game is ready when it's ready. For sure. If Pocket Rumble taught us nothing else. R.I.P. Pocket Rumble. Did it die? (laughs) (laughs) Might as well have. We Uh, were so excited for it, and then it came out, and it was just like, huh. Yeah, it ended up being harder than I wanted it to be. (laughs) Other than that, kind of a quiet week for new releases. Uh, Which I think makes sense, right? We are to the point in the year where people aren't trying to sell new things, right? They're trying to sell old things. and More of them. And by old things, we mean... Things that came out two weeks ago. <laughs> Things that currently exist. <laughs> um, all right. No, nothing else on that uh, list of any. Um, there's nothing else on that list. All right, Mark, let's close out the segment. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece... Mark, today you have posed a question. Yeah, what is your favorite hour, a specific one hour block Uh in any day right that is your favorite so i don't know that i currently have one um i i have like a historical answer um that is from all of my time growing up in uh wisconsin just on the other side of the illinois border where we would get the um tv feeds from both chicago and milwaukee right uh, which means that at five o'clock from five until six, both of these like different syndicates were broadcasting The Simpsons, two episodes of The Simpsons each, which means between five and six, there I had two different opportunities to choose between two different episodes of The Simpsons. And I understand this is totally unremarkable now in 2018 and even maybe like 10 years ago. <laughs> but at the time before uh, even like the Simpsons DVDs were out, um, this was huge for me, uh, and uh, especially at that point in my life, The Simpsons was such a big part of establishing uh, what I value in comedy and art um, that having the ability to pick between two and like just make sure... like That's how I saw the first like eight years of the show was in this hour between 5 and 6. So I think that will forever in my heart, 5 and 6 p.m., uh, central time, of course... <laughs> Uh, is is uh, just perfect for me. Uh, my retro answer would be the time uh, it, Monday through Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. during the summers. That's when Matlock would be on the Fox affiliate. And me and my <laughs> siblings uh-huh. and my mom, we loved Matlock. Now, how were you watching Matlock Dur- Monday through Friday? During oh, the, the summer. summer. During, during the, the summer. summer. Got it, got it. Yeah, got it. I, I mean, I'm uh, sure it was on uh the rest of the year but this was the time when we right. were off from school that's what it meant could watch it yeah um like we my mom really likes mystery mm-hmm. like novels and stories and so 
we grew up around kind of like s- suspense, you know, like Hitchcock films. Someone's and always like being murdered. All that kind of stuff. Uh, and so Matlock was perfect. Yeah. Because mystery was wrapped up in an hour. Uh, for like six-year-old me, it was scary enough that uh-huh. you didn't want to go swimming at night <laughs> in case somebody like dropped a hair dryer. Sure. In the pool or something like that. Plugged in? <laughs> well, sure. I mean, yes. Was it a bathtub in Mat- in Matlock that Probably, a hairdryer yes. got dropped into? But uh, a pool is a bigger body of water, so that's even scarier to have a hair plugged, uh, hairdryer dropped into. Plus, you're a kid. You don't really know. Oh, yeah. Do you think that you have a favorite hour uh, now as an adult? Sunday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Because uh, it's... Early enough that the day is full of possibilities, mm-hmm. but also early enough that I don't feel like doing anything most of the time. Okay. So, so it's th- like, I'll get to the things I want to do slash need to do this Saturday. Right. But for right now. Oh, Saturday. Yeah. I'm doing nothing. Mm. Okay. I thought at first you said Sunday. Oh, no. Sunday in general is just. It's it's a wash. Yeah. Right. Sunday, even if you're like doing things you like all day. The creeping dread. The creeping dread of the week. Um. Yeah. That's a bad time. I. Tell you what, five o'clock on Friday, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good about five o'clock on Friday. These are the daddest answers <laughs> that we could be giving about right now. <laughs> you know, we're basically dads without the kids. Yeah, which I'd <laughs> recommend, by the way. <laughs> Amiibo can be your children. That's right. They have to be. No one else will love me. Um, I do so. I've been kind of sliding out of it uh, the last couple weeks, um, but I used to be a real morning guy um, that I would, especially when Retcon Punch was going real. Oh, fuck. oh man. I guess, I guess, I we'll, guess we'll never we'll know. Never know the end of that anecdote. We were accompanied today by the pianist Armin Fuchs. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Nintendo surprised everyone by announcing Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 as a Switch exclusive at the Game Awards a few weeks back. Very surprising. Developed by Team Ninja, no less. Uh, after the show, IGN asked Nintendo of America President Reggie fils how much, uh, how like such a weird, seemingly random confluence of events came to be. And he responded, quote, What happens in the world of development is you have companies who have positive experiences in working together coupled with franchises being available, and the franchise owner wanting to do something with a particular franchise. And in this case, those three elements came together in order to create the opportunity for that game. And we love that. And we're constantly looking for those types of opportunities. It's the Team Ninja portion of uh, Koi Tecmo that's working on this. They've got a lot of skills, and it really helped paint a picture of what that game is going to be. We're tremendously excited about it. Um, does that clarify anything? (laughs) It does a little bit to me because we know that um like team ninja and nintendo have a pretty good relationship yeah uh thanks to metroid other m and we've we talked a little bit when this game was originally announced that marvel recently like got a lot of its licenses back yeah for for game publishing uh-huh. reasons yeah and so it doesn't surprise me that they would be this is a known quantity the uh ultimate alliance franchise so that they would be walking mm-hmm. this out to different publishers or developers to see who would be interested in licensing it and so yeah i mean it does kind of seem like the perfect storm for 
but for something Nintendo might be interested in. Yeah, I mean the whole like this is I guess a little bit of a, a like digression digression here, but like Disney's whole relationship with their uh, properties and video games um right now feels very um kind of strange or sort of like antithetical to how I view Disney, right? Um that they are to the point where they are basically farming all of it out. Like, you know, they're they're very protective of their brands internally and in like in the mediums that they uh like present them in. Uh, you know, like we're we're not going to see another movie studio make a, a Marvel movie, right? Um and but you know the marvel games need to be made by someone that's not disney like disney games don't exist on the same level that something like uh team ninja or nintendo or square or you know any uh the the studio that made uh spider-man it doesn't matter um but yeah that they're they're sort of like farming all of that out and like if you look at uh star wars that that's all being handled by ea right now um it's just it's just very interesting to see them taking their uh, properties and being like, okay, now now this game studio gets a shot with them. Now this game studio. Yeah, Disney's uh in the past like fifteen maybe twenty years has been very cyclical when it comes to video game development. They licensed a bunch of titles and then like fifteen years ago decided to bring it all in house, and that's when you know they uh bought a lot of developers like Avalanche Studios yeah. and you know they had Warren Spector making the Epic Mickey games and they were like yes we're all in on this we yeah, are going to develop Disney our Infinity, own games yeah. um and then Disney Infinity was kind of like the tail end of that Disney started getting they got rid of Avalanche Studios they started getting they got out of the game business again and that's we're back in this like licensed kind of like period yeah. where Disney doesn't want to be in the video game business because they haven't had a lot of success internally developing video games. And it doesn't really fit what they're good at. It's like they don't make their own toys. They let a toy company license. And I think that's kind of how they view video games. They haven't been successful at making video games. They don't the organization really isn't like set up for something like that. Yeah. And I mean if 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 their priorities are on uh like storytelling. Um, that's not necessarily going to fit into what will make a good video game, especially a good like Disney video game. You're not going to play a Mickey Mouse game for the great storytelling. You're going to, I guess, I mean, why do you play a Mickey Mouse game? I guess I, I, I don't really know. And video games are also like a really expensive mm-hmm. business to be in, and they take a really long time to develop. And if they're a success, awesome. But when they do poorly, it's a very costly venture. Yeah. Um. And so I, I, yeah, I think like the math just doesn't make sense for them right now. Yeah. Well, I also wonder if there's something to like they, game since games take so long to develop that it's hard to, um, have like any synergy with them. Like, there's no way that you can put out a Wreck It Ralph game like to release with Wreck It Ralph. Like the schedules for the production on these things are so different. Well, and it does happen. Like you had like an Incredibles two game, but that's all like licensed farmed out sure, titles yeah. they don't really have the quality maybe that we would come to expect from from disney yeah they, d- they do develop they do do some development in-house like yeah, mobile guess, game development and stuff yeah but for the most part uh they've given up on console and pc gaming yeah and that uh that incredibles game that was a lego game right um 
maybe there was also like a Cars three that was just like a regular yeah like Cars like racing game. So they still exist, but uh, they're not prestige products. Yeah, and there's also just less of a like middle market in video games now. Yeah, sure. Um, asked if we could see the first two Marvel Ultimate Alliance games show up on Switch. Reggie, de- Reggie declined to say anything, but uh, me just projecting. Seems like that would be in Activision's court, or maybe they don't even own the license anymore, and it's with Marvel, but because it was published and developed by Activision, that it becomes like a really messy rights quagmire. Is that the kind of game where you would, that like an earlier version of it would be something that you'd actually want to revisit? I don't think so. I mean, especially the second one, I was around Civil War, Yeah, but it was... Lo- more loosely based on the comic book Civil War and not the yeah movie that the came movie. out a few yeah. years ago. I don't know if they've aged that well. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there is just like a certain class of video game that I feel like um, the next one is always the better one. And, you know, like uh, if, if someone were to start, uh, if Nintendo were to start releasing like classic Mario Kart games, like that's an interesting curiosity, but like, why would I ever not play Eight Deluxe? Yeah, and the last game in the Ultimate series came out in like two thousand nine. So yeah, it's a it's new. It's been a long time. It'll it will have been ten years by the time it comes out. Uh, could the Switch eShop be named the or renamed the Nintendo Switch Online Shop? <gasps> well, we live in a universe of infinite possibilities, so yes. It's possible, but there's actually reason to think that it might be happening soon. Mm-hmm. In a court filing um, against a person accused of selling NES Classic Editions and Switch consoles with pirated games installed, Nintendo included reference to the Nintendo Switch Online Shop, noting that it was formerly the Nintendo eShop. Okay, so Nintendo eShop, we're saying that name is possibly a thing of the past, mm-hmm. and the Nintendo Switch Online Shop is its new would be the branding okay so who knows but if this were to happen do you think that the rebranding is part of a larger shop overhaul or do you think it's more just like a name change like when they change the games on sale section to be called great deals or whatever uh i wonder if it actually spells the end of the 3ds um because it shares the same name uh nintendo eShop. Um, or I wonder if they're going to make a bigger distinction between the uh, 3DS online sh- store and the Switch online store. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. You are able to share currency between the two. And Wii U, for that matter. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what's gained by doing this, but... Maybe they just don't like... I mean, to be fair, eShop is an antiquated, like way to to name a thing right um we just assume that if you can buy something you can buy it online (laughs) so the e-shop yeah maybe that's it maybe they just realized that they had been using old terminology forever and we're like hey let's update that patrick i'm happy to inform you that the year is ending on a high note Ah! because play asia um the jap the japan-based import website that people probably shouldn't uh be a be patrons of thanks to their kind of like gross politics um but they added a listing for a gold shovel knight amiibo oh which what? i mean there's literally no other information available but gold a shovel gold knight. shovel knight amiibo maybe so that's funny because the there are only two other gold amiibos right and one is mario so that one like just makes sense mario can do whatever and the other one is Mega Man. Uh, and if there is one 
set of characters that Shovel Knight is modeled after. It is Mario plus Mega Man. <laughs> uh, so that makes perfect sense. Why why don't we like play Asia uh, politically? Oh, um, so they've in the past pretty much like aligned themselves with the uh, gamer gators. Oh, that's and a they use like terms like social justice warrior as an attack. They use it unironically. Uh huh. Okay. Well. So. What What are you gonna do? <laughs> not shop and play Asia. Yeah, that that seems right. Uh, did you know that the Super Smash Brothers logo has meaning? Uh, you mean more than just signifying a product that I am interested in purchasing? Yes. In a recent interview on Nintendo of Japan's YouTube channel, series director Masahiro Sakurai explained that the intersecting lines of the logo are meant to represent the fact that it's a crossover series, and the lines create four distinct sections, like the four-player multiplayer of the early entries in the series. Interesting. And they're also like that circle shape, which is sort of the ports on the the controller ports on the Nintendo 64. Is that what they look like? Or yes. I want to say yes. It's also the same as the GameCube. Am I imagining the GameCube? What does <laughs> a Nintendo 64 controller port look like? Aren't they like little U-shapes kind of? I feel like they're just round little circle holes, but I know for sure that I am picturing <laughs> uh, GameCube controllers. Well, nobody look it up. No one look it up. Well, I will never know. Uh, speaking of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, this past weekend was Splatoon 2's Global Splatfest, asking players to side with either the game's roster of heroes or lineup of villains by joining, appropriately, appropriately enough, Team Hero or Team Villain. Uh, team Hero was the more popular choice, but Team Villain took the win two to one thanks to winning both the normal and pro battles uh and again there's no way for us to check these numbers so you know somebody has their thumb on the scale they might we would never know mark did you participate in this uh splatfest i didn't i was i was busy playing actual super smash brothers ultimate it seems like that's just can they do a splatfest in smash brothers would that be okay? That'd be fun. Whoever inks the most <laughs> turf as the inklings in Smash, that'd be good. I'd play that. Mario voice actor Charles Martinet has been awarded a Guinness World Record for the most video game voiceover performances as the same character, currently about 100 games. He's been playing the voice of Mario for 30 years. Um, that's a lot of games uh, to have appeared in and a long time to be playing the same character. Uh, does it seem a little, like, obviously, he's done the voice a lot of times, and he's recorded a lot of... But it seems a little low, right? Y- well, that only 100? Yeah, kind of. It, yeah, c- yeah, kind of. It but does it, feel sort of low. It also makes sense, like, 100 games in 30 years. Lots of games per year. Yes, that's true. But it, the, the question that I, w- that I was going to drive at is, how many hours of uh, Mario sound do you think there is in even, like, the most... Uh, Martinet heavy um, voice re- voice recording like how oh, like like how many like hours, hours of voice sample yeah I would guess like around two hours because ninety minutes because like I've listened to Joel from The Last of Us talk for like thirty hours it feels like I mean I'm just I just and I'm not saying that Martinet is doing a bad job or uh, I don't mean to diminish his role as the voice of Mario at all um, 
but like it seems as though he is doing less than someone who is voicing a character and say Dragon Age. How dare you or Mass impeach Effect. the Guinness World Record? I'm just look. I, Guinness is all about uh, showing you an impressive number. Are they going to show you all, all of the important context around whether the number is actually as impressive as they're making it out to be? Or are they just going to say a uh, hundred games in 30 years? Look, I hate to sound like a broken record, but we should start our own trade organization that That's hands right. out records. <laughs> Wait, and we can have records now? <laughs> it can be we both. Just, oh, okay, it can be great. an award show and also... Uh, celebrating accomplishments. We can provide the context the Guinness World Records refuses to. Cowards. And look, I don't want to slag Guinness too much because, you know, nope. I was about to say something, but I was I was going to attribute it to Guinness. And really what I'm thinking of is Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> <laughs> and these are two different organizations. I was going to say they've got that cool dinosaur on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. That's Ripley's suck an egg, Guinness. That's right. Uh, finally, from NPD Group analyst uh, Matt Piscatella, we have the top 10 best-selling GameCube games in North America. Um, like we did a few weeks ago, do you want to guess what they are, Patrick? Uh, sure. So to- top 10 best-selling GameCube games in North America. Uh-huh. Uh, Resident Evil 4. No, not even in not the top even 10. The, not even in the top 10. Uh, the Legend of Zelda, um, The Wind Waker. Yeah, that's number four. Number four. Okay. Uh, poke. Nope. Um, I was gonna. I'm confusing it with Nintendo sixty four again. So Pokemon Snap's not <laughs> one. <laughs> a Pokemon Stadium's not another one. Uh, ooh, is there a Pokemon game in here? There's not. There no Pokemon. Not. Um. Okay. Animal Crossing. Uh. Yes. Number seven. All right. Um. Super Mario Sunshine. Number three. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Number one. Number one. Yeah. In North America. Okay. So I, I don't have number two yet? Not number two. Smash Brothers. No. GameCube games. Think of like the heavy hitting franchises. Okay. Oh, Metroid Prime. Uh-huh. Number six. Great. Metroid Prime 2. No, not on the list. Great. Uh, Do you want me to give them to you? Yeah, please. Okay. Number one, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Number two, Mario Kart Double Dash. Of course. Number three, Super Mario Sunshine. Number four, Zelda The Wind Waker. Number five, Luigi's Mansion. Oh, yeah. Number six, Metroid Prime. Number seven, Animal Crossing. Number eight, Sonic Adventure 2. That is a little surprising. Nine, Zelda Twilight Princess. And number 10, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Okay, so Paper Mario I should have picked up on. And uh, Twilight Princess, yeah, I guess I should have um, seen that coming. I wouldn't have guessed The Thousand Year Door would have even shown up. It was like a bestseller, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for as cool of a platform as the GameCube is, I feel like there aren't a ton of games on it that we, you know, really like remember and hold in high esteem today. Um, And, you know, some of them, like uh, with Twilight Princess, I need to be reminded that that was a GameCube game. Like, in my mind, it's a Wii game. I mean, think of, like, Pikmin. Pikmin 2. Yeah. A little surprising that none of the Resident Evils made you it on there. I think that 4 would have been on there, but I guess that's one of the reasons that <laughs> Capcom was like, oh, you know, we are going to put this on everything because <laughs> we didn't sell any on the GameCube. <laughs> um, that's a good list. That's a good list of games. If, they were, if Nintendo were to release a GameCube Classic Edition and put that thing out, uh, pe- pe- people would buy it. Yeah, I mean, with, those, those 10 games. games would be 
a lot of game. Um, but what a weird uh, Mario Kart and Smash are the only multiplayer games in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Is Sonic Adventure Two a multiplayer game? Probably not, right? We'll never know. <laughs> it's true. I could not care less. <laughs> All right, great. Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it with your friends and your enemies. On Facebook, we are just Nintendo Cartridge Society. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you so much for listening. Campfire.